Hello and welcome to the first episode of Teachers Clichés. Today we have Mr. Jones, head of classics at King Edward School. Mr. Jones, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, pleasure to be here, Hassan. Esteemed company. Thank you. And of course, we have the esteemed Mr. Milton, uh, an invaluable asset to uh, the charisma of... Oh, good Lord. You, you have plenty of charisma, Hassan, as we have established before. You're very kind. I am not ahead of anything. I'm merely a humble history teacher with nine working days left before I retire. Just saying. <laughs> nine working days. The gloves are off, is what you're saying, Ed. <laughs> You were so, a head of department we at one point, though, weren't you? I was head of middle school for 17 years, actually. Head of mid is middle? I thought it was just low school and upper school. No, there is middle school, the most important one of them all. <laughs> and I was head of Heath House. Oh. And I run the under-14A rugby team, if you can believe that. I, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but my main job has been teaching. Notice the link. <laughs> So I believe, Sam, we're here to talk about teaching, which is a, a curious topic. We are, and uh, due to technical difficulties, um, all of which are my fault, um, we are recording this two days late. So Mr. Milton and Mr. Jones have already talked about everything, it seems. <laughs> I've thought about nothing else for the last no, two days, I don't know about you. We, we had an <laughs> excellent conversation about all manner of things which wasn't being recorded, but that, never mind, we will have to... We will have to uh, rewind as best we can. So the part, part of the thinking here is that since I've been teaching now for 37 years and coming now, time is indeed the fire and we're coming to the end of, end of the road. I was just wondering how teaching has changed over 37 years and whether I am indeed, as has been mentioned on more than one occasion, whether I am indeed old-fashioned. And of course, Mr Jones is now considered to be very new-fashioned very at the cutting edge of the teaching craft, which is very exciting. I think, who's, who's the judge of that? I think I, <laughs> one interesting question is um, whether old-fashioned and traditional um, are the same thing. Ooh. Well, there's a marvellous book written by a man called Jonathan Smith, not our Jonathan Smith, but bizarrely a man who taught Jonathan Smith. So Jonathan <laughs> okay. Smith was teaching Jonathan Smith. <laughs> okay, where he got his name. <laughs> <laughs> And in that book, um, which is about teaching, Mr. Smith, Jonathan Smith, says that teaching is very simple. It is about telling people things. And that Socrates, I suppose, told Plato things, and Plato told Aristotle things. Did they have an electric whiteboard? Or did they have a plenary session to begin it with? Or did they have a card sorting game? Oh, that makes my skin crawl, the idea of a card sorting um, <laughs> The, well, interestingly, Socrates, well, you've opened <laughs> no, a yeah, certain well, can. intentionally, You've opened course, a can, so you course. should consume the contents. <laughs> Socrates traded in questions more than answers. Um, and actually frustrated many of his interlocutors by refusing to posit an answer. Wow. Uh, he was far more interested in the journey than the destination. And um, that's something I think about a lot as a teacher because the destination, as it were, King Edward School is pretty solid. If you look at our exam results, mm. they're hard to challenge. Um, they are superb, but there are many ways to arrive at that destination. Mm. Um, and how you, uh, w w interesting question is, how do, how do you know 
um, how pupils have arrived there, whether they've just mugged up over the Easter before <laughs> their uh, public exam well. or, or their checkpoint assessment or whatever it is, or whether it's been a meaningful kind of process mm. which has counted for as much, if not more, than mm. the clutch of grades at the end. Mm. Um, so that's another Well, no, it's another very interesting. interesting. I mean, I, I sometimes have, and probably wrongly as it turns out, therefore, worried about what I might call the tyranny of questioning. Uh-huh, that the okay. teacher spends so much time questioning that it, it becomes a sort of almost uh, like, like an interrogation mm-hmm, on fields mm-hmm. we need the bright light in the eyes and the slap around <laughs> the face. You will tell me the answer yeah. to this question. Yeah. Um, but that's a very interesting perspective. Yeah, well, that one's an interesting... Uh, well, because uh, a very question-heavy lesson could... Um, feel quite discursive. Could be you're into the realms of kind of a discussion sort of lesson, right? Um, and that's where pupils find a voice. They find confidence. They have their ideas kind of safely interrogated. I think that um, we've all been in those lessons where we've tried to pose interesting questions, and then questions beget questions beget questions. Where actually you kind of can very easily lose. 80, 90% of the class quite yeah. quickly, um, or find yourself into entirely unknown territory, and then it just sort of kind of fizzles quite quickly. The discussion lesson on, on paper sounds like, you know, prospect sounds like quite a straightforward thing, just chuck a question out there, and it becomes a bit conversational. But actually, if you don't have a sense of where you might arrive to ultimately, it's difficult to steer in a meaningful way, so it can just break down, it can just be a bit... Uh, it, it can fizzle quite quickly. Well, in terms of teach technique, I think actually asking the right question yeah. is it can be quite difficult, and especially if you then have to rephrase the question because it hasn't gone very well, um, and then trying to make something of an answer that may or may not have merit to it, and then using that answer to bounce off into another question, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually quite tricky. Yeah, it's a real skill. It's, it's a real it's skill not, not to become the dominant voice. Of course, um, of course. And or for it to be a kind of showpiece where the teacher is interacting with the clever, confident kid and, and everyone else is kind of like interested to start with and then mm. kind of less interested and then start to become a little bit annoyed and then just tune out. It is a way for the quiet ones to hide. And then, and then of course, you come to the age-old problem. Do you, do you pick on somebody that has got no desire to contribute? And, and are they contributing if they are just listening very attentively, yeah. quietly? I would say yes, they are, yeah. because you can contribute to a context, an environment, a set of conditions. And it's, what's, what's very interesting is that the, the, the age of the teacher telling that kind of cold transfer of information, the, the input stage of a lesson, those days are numbered with the rise of AI because why would you need you know, a human being to sort of fumble around trying to tell you why Alexander was great mm. when you can stipulate from ChatGPT, I want 300 words at this <laughs> reading level with these three dates and it, it spits it out. But this is, this is quite scary though, isn't it? Because even when I was doing teacher training, there was quite a lot of thought about teachers being just facilitators of learning rather than going back mm-hmm. to telling mm-hmm. people things. Mm-hmm. And in that case, and, and I mean, it already exists, you know, you can ask Uncle Wiki anything you want and you get a perfectly decent answer. Mm. So, so our, our, it seems that our function in terms of knowledge acquisition is, is, is limited. 
which which I find yeah. quite scary. Yeah, it is, but that's that's the reality. So then you you got to ask the other question. Okay, where is our value to be found? And I read an interesting article that actually came to be courtesy of Mr. Quayle, who's mm-hmm. just to the common room. New bug. A new bud. Bug or bud? <laughs> bug, bug. Um, new buck. Uh, that's the safest one. Um, and this article predicts a few things about education and how the next 10 years might shape up with the arrival of AI or the big watershed arrival last November. And one interesting prediction was that the role of teacher will be split out into a, a sage figure, was the word it used, yeah. it's quite memorable, and a coach figure. Oh, so wow. the sage is a kind of knowledge backstop, someone who has you know, read the, more than 500 words on Alexander the Great <laughs> and would be able to, for instance, um, enlarge upon an AI answer or mm. um, verify the, co- the quality of an AI answer or you know, just um, make connections perhaps with other branches of knowledge which are kind of relevant, which would be kind of blind to the AI. That's the sage kind of knowledge backstop. And then the other element is the coach element. And that's where you are functioning primarily as a kind of motivator. You know, mm. you're, you're geeing them up, uh, making sure those who struggle with motivation or engagement are given reassurance, their confidence is built. And so you're kind of like parent figure, more mm. explicit. Because the moment a teacher does a hundred things, right? Mm. And we're part of the time we're parenting, part of the time we're. You know, this is kind of like a, almost socialising. Yeah. So not to diminish the you know the status of your problem, but this is quite <laughs> sort of jolly. Um, other times you got to tell people's off. Policing, yeah. right? Policing. How do you deal with discipline? Just that's a, another <laughs> another podcast another day, maybe after I've uh, done the sort of coach episode three discipline um, characterisation. So. Um, that's how I think te- the, the big ambiguous mess that is the role of a teacher will become disambiguated because stuff like telling you which battle Alexander fought before which battle, that will be done by an AI tutor which will be uh, delivered through devices in a very tailored way which means that for the 25 kids in the class, those who are streaks ahead and knew that the Battle of Issus took place in 332 BC will be thinking about, okay, well, the aftermath of Issus or you know, some of the strategic decisions during the battle or whatever, because AI will just be able to keep stretching, stretching, testing them. And the teacher in the room will be going around making sure that they are being praised or encouraged <laughs> or like feeling good, you know, because the human emotional dimension, I suppose, will be looked after more explicitly and discreetly. Well, I feel like that teacher. that is the benefit of having, other than AI, a teacher who has seen your work and been like, that's good, that's bad. The mm-hmm. feedback that you get, although you can, you know, chat GPT, upload your work, find the mistakes in this, is there's just, I feel, it feels kind of empty. Whilst the objective of this is to get emotional you know, validation, mm. when you, if you get that from an AI, it doesn't really register. Mm. That's interesting. Well, going back to my teacher training, which was in 1986, 87, <laughs> finally. <laughs> I wasn't born um, <laughs> Good Lord. Good Lord. Um, you know, it, it was very much emphasised that one of the most important things about teaching is, is the creation of, of, of a personal relationship between the individual and the class, and that, you know, you are, it's, it's a person thing. 
And, and how you describe suddenly the role of AI, AI is that taking out that? Uh, obviously, you've got your coach figure. Yeah. But it, it does potentially sound a bit cold to everyone scrolling through the battle of whatnot, and, and that's that. Yeah, but it's, it's a hell of a lot more efficient. And um, if resources are scarce, okay, maybe take out you know, the lovely bubble that is King Edwards, but if you've got a situation in a school where, I don't know, you've got long-term sick in the department and the cost of a supply teacher is astronomical, who's funding that taxpayer, um, or the quality of the cover teaching is just poor to be negligible, then far better would be have to be have a trained coach figure in the room and I mean this may be an extreme example, have a trained coach figure in the room and then rely on AI to do the kind of input side of things. Um, if you're, you know, in a slum in India where they have kind of hole in the wall type um, education facilities, actually really developed AI teaching children basic literacy and numeracy is really desirable. I think we we've just experienced the very luxurious premium end of education we have a knowledgeable caring human in the room um, nurturing intellectually and emotionally their their charges i think most edu context, education contexts in the world probably don't resemble that so that's what well, maybe that's well no i mean I, I would think what you said about nurturing and helping and guiding and all those other human emotions and qualities sounds to be really really important really important Really important, but at, at what cost? Mm. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer to that, but there are people who say, well, look, we're going to be paying for COVID for the next 30 years. Yeah. What if we could pay for COVID in 10 years and there be fewer um, nurturers mm. in our classrooms? Mm. Um, and the nature of sort of government finances, short-term kind of spring budgets, autumn statements, all that sort of stuff means that it's not impossible. Um, whether it's desirable is a different question. I think you'll see a, a kind of a hollowing out of education where you've got the sort of top end premium experience which will probably resemble you know your classroom in the 1990s Ed where it's just like <laughs> you know it's, it, 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 it's fun, there's fears, there's humour, um, there's subject knowledge um, and there's real socialising, mm. socialisation. And then you'll have, you know, robots just making sure that kids are over the sort of sufficiency threshold. Wow. Um, it's quite a I mean, thought. In loads of ways, AI is going to exacerbate inequality, health-wise, uh, digital literacy-wise, um, and I do think that education is going to be no different. I mean, maybe that's is that doom and gloom, Hassan? I don't know. Well, as a pupil, I feel like. For example, in the pandemic, everyone was so excited. We're going to have our lessons on Zoom. And it was a kind of a gimmick at the beginning. Then that started to wear off. I feel like if there was, uh, if teachers were replaced by AI, mm -hmm. they would be sort of, it would be sort of like uh, all the students would be excited. But then after a while, it would be like kind of, they would be missing human interaction. And for a lot of people the classroom is where like a lot of a lot of the interaction that they get is uh, so I'm not it's if it's definitely it could happen but should it happen 
Does the AI tell jokes? That's the thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, good. Well, then, 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 then it's a win. We could get Jack T. to write a witty limerick about Mr. Milson <laughs> in less than 30 seconds. Good I mean, heavens. It's interesting to say that the, the assumption, I think, as us kind of staring down the abyss of what might sound like a frightening situation, not having experienced it yet, really no one's been in, in the midst of an AI-heavy school environment. But... AI can be quite human. So, for instance, um, in the realm of psychotherapy, AI is doing a lot to sub in for um, a human therapist trying to support um, and empower people who have needs need to be met, right? So, um, it's expensive to have a human being in the room with you, that kind of talking therapy, and actually AI could go a long way to being human enough to help someone with their emotional and mental health, which you might think only a human, only a human could help me out of that hole. But there's some really sophisticated and effective software that is software that is a robot who is doing that human stuff. So I can see, I can see a future where AI isn't this kind of like impersonal robot that feels kind of cold and alien but actually is human enough in its interface um, to compensate for not having an actual human in the room for as much of the time. Do you think there are any occupations that only a human could do? I feel like really interesting there question. are some obvious ones, like firefighter couldn't be done. Oh, no, definitely get, you get robots to go and... Yeah, but that's, that's, I feel like that's it. If we're talking about software and chat GPT and such, it's not the... Robots, the robotics and humanoid robots have, you know, been they've been trying to uh, make their way for a long time. They haven't. They have advanced, but I feel like not to a standard. So at the moment, with what seems to be happening with software, do you think there are any occupations that could not be replaced by AI? I think the prime minister could be replaced by AI. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, education is one that's often... I mean, the big one is, is the creative arts. I mean, that's the, often seen as the frontier, right? Well, now there's, like, Dali 2. Right. Which it's, is, although it's, there's some, like, ethical... Definitely some ethical uh, problems with it do, data scraping, which is illegal in the US and the UK, uh, for anything other than uh, university education, uh, writing a paper and such. But uh, there's... Like it's taking data from artists that did definitely didn't agree for that. For example, Shutterstock. This is quite funny. The Shutterstock had been used so many times that the watermark started showing up uh, in people's art. And there's also a AI art thing where uh, you can get a variation. For I think it's. And there has been a lot of cases where uh, someone's just taken someone else's art, put it through the variation, which has come up with a slightly different image, and then sold that, claiming that they, they created it themselves. So the creatives we, we, are we, we, in we danger. We briefly touched on, on discipline earlier. So would you, how, how would the AI deal with somebody not doing the task as set? Would it sort of give them an electric shock? <laughs> I think it would be good. Um, well, it could compute an appropriate sanction and it could compute 
a sanction that was probably a lot more consistent school-wide than as happens at the moment. What happens in my classroom when you when you fail a vocab test, it's probably quite different to what you ha happens in another classes classroom, model languages classroom, whatever. So in terms of consistency, which has to be one of the kind of pillars of uh, a disciplinary system, I think AI would probably have something to do there. In terms of actually the unemotional um, nature of AI, human beings you know, emotional creatures and actually teachers mm. often don't make the best decisions in disciplinary cases because there is emotion involved. We can get a bit cross. We sometimes. get a bit cross, yeah. and you know, uh, an emotionally heightened state never produces the best decision. Wow. So actually, having a cool, calm, collected computer head <laughs> would probably, you know, and then the coach figure maybe not the same person who mm. who whose classroom has been nice. trashed, but you know, someone else. <laughs> As a coach figure who is really skilled, more explicitly skilled in nurturing, supporting, encouraging, um, enabling pupils or, or um, supporting pupils, they could come in and maybe implement, you know, sit in on, supervise the sanction that had been computed by AI. I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but mm. it's not beyond the bounds of possibility. I, I mean, I like the idea, I mean, to, to actually take emotion out of the equation in that instance is quite a good one yeah frankly yeah i mean the, the danger i think with overlying on ai is that emotion becomes that there's not enough emotion right and because not yeah is it do we want to live in a world is that a dignified world where the fallibility of humans is is budgeted for and countered i think you know should we not embrace the fallibility probably probably that's what makes as distinctively human, but it's also messy and complicated and expensive, <laughs> right? And the world you're you're conjuring up—I mean, it almost to me sounds like a bit of an episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I think anyone who's interested in AI and futuring, and and who's you know, thoughtful like you are, Hassan, you have you seen Black Mirror at all? I haven't. Black Mirror—it's uh, on Netflix. New season's just about to drop. It has, yes. Um, or it has dropped already. I think it's, is it today? It might be today. No, it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow. No, it's okay. Tomorrow, yeah. um, then it is uh, brilliant. It's uh, terrifying. It's an, it's an exploration of, of how fundamentally, I guess, modern technology can go wrong and become really quite damaging and devastating and nasty. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in practice then, obviously yeah. we've, we've painted quite, <laughs> a, quite an image of, of where we're going to be. You know, th this isn't going to enter the doors of King Edward's any day soon, or, or am I wrong? I think uh, it, there's a, a lovely culture of King Edward's of sort of high autonomy. I would mm. I would say so. While I think that devices will come into classrooms within twelve to eighteen months, does the chief master know about this? Um, probably, yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, Good. We, the chief master, not to take her name in vain, but she uh, is an active user of, of the iPad. So I well, think she'd be sympathetic. It's just my luck. I retire and then we all get given an iPad. Well, it's just yeah. not fair. Well, to be fair, you did retire before you'd be out of a job. Well, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's true. very wise. That's very wise. Yeah, that's true. So I think we'll, we'll see devices in classrooms and then it will be a question of which teachers embrace that lean into it is yeah. the expression mm -hmm. and which teachers kind of 
make some gestural use of it, but largely don't have the energy or appetite to really mug up. Um, and I don't blame those in a way uh, because they're probably doing lots of other important things like keeping the sports teams you know, on the, on the road or um, being head of year or whatever where your mental um, capacity is just consumed so much by other stuff. So I think it will, it will fall to younger enterprising teachers mm. to take the lead. And I think it's ever thus, isn't it, that the, yeah. the, the new generation, the next generation who've been schooled in, in the latest tech and whatnot are the ones that will power this forward. I mean, it took me about 20 years to hang a PowerPoint. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And haven't you mind. just mastered it? I mean, the, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, it's, it's just the pace of change, Ed. It's, yeah. it's the pace of change. Yeah. It's just relentless. Um, you know, my, my last school where I was for six years, I joined that school in 2014. And school had just committed to giving all staff an iPad. Wow. Uh, which is very generous. iPad very Air, nice. I still got it somewhere. Uh, it's probably sort of worth a lot of money now. Um, <laughs> but um, it was a, a, a noble kind of aspiration, but kind of fell apart pretty quickly because um, only a handful of teachers um, were comfortable enough or keen enough to get stuck into it. It was impossible to kind of police because there's so much autonomy in independent schools. Um, and to be honest, in any kind of school, as soon as the door closes and it's you and 25 kids, no one can tell you to, you know, log this answer on this software. Um, and I had, you know, a good go at it, trying to download apps and trying to kind of wean myself off the traditional sort of um, projecting a text and then scribbling with ball pens. Um, but I found the apps kept updating and, you know, apps were competing with other apps and it just became this kind of cr crowded um, market of software that it just turned me off and I was like, do you know what, my new philosophy is that if the school burnt down overnight and I lost all my tech, I'd be able to walk in the next day and still teach good lessons. Um, and that has probably been more of a presiding influence um, than iPad sort of leaning techie stuff since. Mm. And it begs the whole question, which I suppose we might have to leave for another day, as to, as to how far technology has been a good thing for the classroom, which some might argue maybe in some ways less so and not, but who knows? Who knows? We've got time to answer that? <laughs> no, no, not really. Here's another question. Go on. Um, um, you mentioned... Uh, you'd be able to go into the same room, teach good lessons. You say teach good lessons. It's 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 a good sign off session that the the, the 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 guests suggest what is a good lesson or what is a good teacher. Mm. That, that's quite an interesting thought. He says, looking penetratingly mm. across mm. the mm. table. Mm. Yeah. What is a good lesson and or a good teacher? A good lesson. I mean, I, I think a good lesson has um, is both kind of contained in that it functions as a discrete 40 minutes with a lesson objective that's met, even if that objective is implicit. So you've got to kind of know where you want to go and get there. You've got to actually get over the line. But also it, it is integrated into a longer course of learning. So there's kind of a question maybe that comes out of it that will connect to the next lesson or will inspire a new avenue outside of the classroom. So that kind of 
I often use the expression linear and cyclical. So cyclical, and it kind of curves back on itself and it, it ends as a contained lesson, but also um, linear in that there's a sense of momentum going forward um, that means kids will you know, get changed quickly after PE and make their way hastily <laughs> to your lesson no rather than um, you know, whipping each other with towels in the changing room because they actually don't like the sound of Latin. Of course, would never Which happen never in King Edward's school. Goodness me. Well, what a lot to think about. Heavens above. Teachers being rendered redundant by robots. Wow. Some would say think... we already are robots, but we won't go down that line. <laughs> Do you think he'll be asked for a job in the, next coming, in the coming years? I don't know. I'd like to think that I am enterprising enough to kind of manoeuvre my way back into a job. Mm. Um, and I think it's the kind of, it's your mindset and your disposition that's going to determine your employability rather than your present sort of knowledge status, if that makes sense. So it's the kind of adaptability that's going to be the determinant. I fear that Time's Winged Chariot has probably <laughs> overtaken us all again. Overtaken. <laughs> Well, it's, oh, it's, there's an apostrophe, it's overtaken. <laughs> I see. It might, it might even be Homerian, that quote, actually, I don't know. Uh, he wrote in Greek, so... <laughs> well, I'm trying to roughly translate yeah, yeah, yeah. it, probably. Yeah. So, um, thank you very much for what's a, what's a stimulating and interesting discussion. I, I, I would conclude by saying that I might be wrong, but I, I think we've enjoyed Mr Jones's presence more than we might have enjoyed an AI bot person. Oh, yeah. That would be my conclusion. Uh, couldn't an AI bot be our next guest? <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. Well, there's a thought. Be fun. Uh, I'll leave you to get one of those. What would be fun? We could uh, have three guests and we won't tell the audience which one is the Rogue AI bot. bot. <laughs> And that is an episode of Black Mirror. Good. Well, thank you, Mr. Jones. It's been lovely to chat with you. You'll have to come back and join us another time. Yeah. We'd love to. Um, make sure to check out the other episodes that we have not yet recorded um, on Spotify and hopefully on other places very shortly. I didn't really have anything planned for this. Um, any ideas what I should say? Can I just say thank you very much for inviting me, Hassan? Yes. I'm, I'm super impressed that you've got yeah. all this together, all this tech yeah. that I speak for myself at least. I mm. have no idea where well, to start exactly. with. So. Well, I'll be honest, I have no idea where to start with either. I, I, I think <laughs> Hassan has been an exemplary executive producer, actually, I have to say. Why, thank you. But he has a niche in life. So thank you, Hassan. Thank you, Jason. We'll be back soon for more teachers' cliches. You may pack and go and depart, leaving no addresses.